Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, once again, your host, Neil Villapiano, and a welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys, as always, are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the NHL trade deadline has come and gone. The Devils were not surprisingly um, pretty quiet at the deadline. And I'll explain in a little bit more detail later on. I mean, I've explained it before why I thought and why I felt like the Devils were going to be relatively quiet. But I'll explain again why, why it ended up being this way. Um, but the Devils did make one trade. And... Um, I think it's fair to say that all of us are not really sure exactly how to feel about it, but we'll, we'll talk about that. We're also going to be discussing some of the bigger trades and there were a couple, the bigger trades that have happened around the national hockey league. And we're also going to be going to be quickly recapping the devil's game back on Saturday afternoon against the Edmonton Oilers um, when they finished off their Western Canada road trip. So, As always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So let's just start with the main topic of discussion, and that is the one and only move the Devils made at the trade deadline back on Monday. Look, the reality was is that the Devils had only two unrestricted free agents um, that were available. You had PK Subban, whose $9 million contract for the rest of the season was not going to be enticing to basically anybody. 
And then you had Jimmy Vesey, who I would say probably earlier in the season, considering how well he was playing, scoring shorthanded goals and just being good on the penalty kill. I think he would have had more value a couple of months ago, but since recently he hasn't been doing as much, I, I don't think that there were many suitors. The other thing to keep in mind is this. I don't think Tom Fitzgerald was planning on making a deal just to make a deal. I think he was going to, especially with guys like Subban and Vizi, I think he was going to look to see if he could make a deal that could be beneficial to the Devils, both in the present and certainly in the future. And I know that it would have most likely been draft picks, but he could have used said draft picks to maybe package them in a deal to get a player that the Devils really, really need right now. Um, the other thing is that we obviously know that there have been rumors about Pavel Zaka, uh, Damon Severson as well, um, Ty Smith, uh, guys like that. Those were the guys that you were hearing that could, who had term on their deal or in Zaka's case was going to be a restricted free agent at season's end. You knew that there was a chance that they could be on the move. We had heard rumors throughout the last two months that there were teams interested. Um, we did get word from Elliot Friedman that Damon Severson would prefer to stay in New Jersey long-term, sign an extension, and go from there. And I will just say that there are times where I would be okay with Damon Severson staying here. There are other times where it's very frustrating to see him make mistakes, the type of mistakes that he has made in the past. So I would say that I'm probably more 50-50 on Damon Severson. So I guess I would it would be easier for me to say that if he stayed long-term, great. If he didn't, um, you know, it's not the end of the world, at least in my opinion. But I can also understand how a lot of people outside of the Devils fan base and organization, I can understand where they're coming from when they look at Damon Severson, his underlying numbers, his analytical perspective. I mean, it's it looks it looks pretty good. Um, but he wasn't moved yesterday, nor was Pavel Zaka, nor was you know anybody else that would have had any sort of possibility to move. Um, when Tom Fitzgerald spoke to the media an hour after the deadline had come and gone, he had really spoken about the fact that he didn't really receive very little to no calls. So this was kind of a, from the devil's point of view, a very, very quiet trade deadline. And what really, what really kind of annoyed me in a way from just seeing Devils fans on social media getting very upset about the Devils not doing anything. My question to you is simply, what did you really expect the Devils to do? You knew the realities of the situation. You knew that the Devils didn't have a whole lot to offer to other teams. We have, you know, any, most of the guys that really have any sort of value are part of our core long-term. So really, in all honesty, we don't have a whole lot to offer other teams as far as what we could give them. And we knew that with P.K. Subban, the only way that we could have potentially been able to get anything is that if the Devils decide to retain 50% of Subban's salary, they said that they would do that, and still they received no calls. So it was clearly obvious that Subban was not going to be moved. So anybody that the Devils were going to potentially move at this deadline will remain with the Devils for the remainder of the season. That includes Subban, that includes VZ, and they'll go from there. I don't think the Devils organization is going to be too upset that they didn't get anything for these guys, um, because quite frankly, I don't think they were going to be worth a whole lot. And I don't mean to say that in a disrespectful way. I'm just looking at it from 
a realistic standpoint. So look, obviously we all wanted to see the devils go out and get somebody like a Brock Besser, you know, or a Philip Forsberg, you know, guys that were, or Jake DeBrusque even, um, but I think the reality was, is that especially at the trade deadline, this happens all the time. We hear mostly just rumors and things like that. And a lot of that's a lot of those potential moves don't actually end up happening. We get, uh, you know, there are times where we get a big move here or there, you know, not every trade deadline, but, but we do sometimes. So I think it's just worth noting that uh, also when Tom Fitzgerald was interviewed by Pierre Lebrun a couple of weeks ago, if you remember from that, uh, that article from the athletic, Tom Fitzgerald made it pretty clear that if the Devils were going to make major moves, they were going to have to come at, you know, during the offseason. And that's fine because in the offseason, everybody, players, GMs, teams in general, will have a lot more focus on that stuff. And there's no clock that they have to go off of. There's no deadline or anything like that. They have a lot more time to focus on it. And everybody is focusing on the same part of it. Because if you think about it, the deadline, a lot of there are teams that are thinking about, you know, how can they make their team better to go into the playoffs? And then there are teams who are thinking about what assets can they move to acquire other assets, most likely draft picks, um, to build upon going into next season. In the offseason, everybody's just kind of on the same foot. They're on the same, you know, level of there's no Stanley Cup playoffs. There's no nothing like that. The teams can focus on this. And then you got free agency. So I would say to Devils fans, as much as it can be kind of frustrating to see the Devils be relatively almost um, well, they were basically quiet except one move um, for them to be kind of quiet. Uh, I can understand the frustration about that, but you also have to look at the reality of the entire situation. Um, it wasn't really that boring of a trade deadline. There were certainly a lot of moves. I think that there were just some moves that happened that people were hoping. I think there were rumors about some other moves that I think fans in general would have loved to see. But again, this was the most I think there were like, what, 33 trades in total. So this was the most trades ever done at a single deadline in NHL history, which is kind of crazy, considering that uh, I think we only had one or two last year. I mean, we really didn't have a whole lot going on last year. And I know COVID was a big reason for that, but still, it was kind of a um, kind of interesting thing. But, but I've gotten the last seven, eight minutes without getting to the point that I really wanted to make. The Devils did indeed make a move. And this happened about a half hour before the end of the deadline. The Devils announced that they had acquired goaltender Andrew Hammond from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Nate Schnarr. The Hamburglar is coming to New Jersey. And uh, I think a lot of us looked at it at first and said, well, I, there were certainly people that did not know who Andrew Hammond is. And I think that's kind of crazy, if, especially if you are a, uh, a big hockey fan, you know who the Hamburglar is. I mean, it's just very, very obvious. Um, the other thing I think was that I don't know what type of goaltender Devils fans were expecting the Devils to get, um, but it seemed like to me that Hammond might have been the, the, the easiest available because he signed a contract with the Minnesota Wild um, at the beginning of the year, one year, $750,000. So we all know what the reality is. And so, and I'm sure Andrew Hammond knows that as well. The reality is, is that Hammond is here to allow Nico Dawes at some point to be, go, to go back down to Utica so that um, he could play out the rest of the year with the Utica Comets and they make a run at the Calder cup for the championship in the American hockey league. Um, and so then Hammond and Gillies would then take over in net for the next 19, 20, I think it's now 20 games to go in the season. So I think that 
I, I again, I'm happy that the Devils made a move for a goaltender because I think that it would have been that would have been the thing I would have been most frustrated about. Not that we didn't get a big name player to help us right, you know, now and moving into next season, I would have been more upset to say so. There wasn't any sort of goaltender we could have gotten after. I know that. Um, I know that Peter Morazic was put on waivers and the Devils could have picked him up, but he also has another two or three years in his contract. And Peter Morazic is getting up there in age. The Devils really, really shouldn't be trying to go after a goaltender that you know is probably on the decline. I know that uh, Yaroslav Halak was asking for a trade from Van. Well, he didn't ask for a trade. He, he said that he was willing to um, move his no trade clause. Would he have moved his no trade clause? Um, for the Devils, I don't know. I really don't know. And then as far as, obviously, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, the reality was is that it had to do with more family and obviously getting another chance to win a cup. Um, so it, it obviously didn't make any sense for him to come here. Um, and then and also I know uh, Alexander Georgiev was available, but the Rangers uh, made it clear that they were not planning on trading him at the deadline. They were looking to move him in the offseason. So the Devils could still potentially go out to somebody like that once we get to the offseason. And again, this is where you're going to see probably the Devils be a lot more active like they were last offseason. I think that's where you're going to see it. So it can suck right now, but I think that we should give Tom Fitzgerald an opportunity to see what he can do in the offseason. But going back to Andrew Hammond, look, here's the thing that um, – that I'm actually like kind of okay with. Cause if you look at Andrew Hammond, he has played in a total of four games this year uh, with Montreal and he won three of them. He was three. Oh no. I guess he came in relief for one of those games. Not really sure. So Andrew Hammond actually does have a little bit of NHL experience. He hasn't played full-time in the NHL since 17, 18. So he's been playing mostly in the minors the last couple of years, but at the same time, I think that, um, I, I think that this is honestly an upgrade from John Gillies because let's face it, John Gillies has been really, really bad. I mean, there's no way, to, no other way to put it. Um, so when, if and when Andrew Hammond does play, he will be, I think, what, the seventh starting goaltender we have had this entire season. Um, and the hope is, is that he can just play out the rest of the year with us so we can get through the rest of the year. Uh Pierre Lebrun had said P.K. Subban stays put. Devils did not trade him. Not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. But the one thing that really, really concerned us all, and it still concerns us even right now, is when Tom Fitzgerald spoke to the media about Andrew Hammond, he spoke that um, Hammond is currently on the injured reserve with a lower body injury he suffered back on March 3rd. Now. Andrew Hammond, when he spoke to the media, said that he had been skating a lot of late and that it looks like the expectation is he'll be back relatively soon. Um, Fitzgerald also said he uh, Hammond will meet the team in Toronto after Tuesday's game against the Rangers. So there's that. Also, the Devils are planning on, at least for now, going with three goaltenders, Hammond, Dawes, and Gillies, and then we'll go from there. Like I said before, I would expect if Hammond's injury is not severe and he can come back, I would expect the devils to, um, to send Nico Dawes down to the minors uh, when they get the opportunity. Um, I will say this though. It is kind of frustrating to see you acquire a goaltender that was on IR and that you may not necessarily know exactly when he's coming back. Cause Fitzgerald said there really isn't any timeline. So you kind of ask the question of, 
unless you know that Hammond's going to be able to play relatively soon, why on God's green earth would you make this move? And I do feel a little bit bad for Tom Fitzgerald because of all the things that he's done, and he's done some really, really good things so far with this team. The one thing that he unfortunately, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's been out of his control, is the fact that goaltending continues to let us down from injury, uh, consistent performances, and things like that. So that's kind of the the thing that I feel bad for him. And uh, I wondered to myself if he just felt really, really forced to get this guy, even if he, you know, there was still the uncertainty with the whole, with his whole injury and things like that. But obviously you're hoping that he can come back as soon as possible so that he can play some games and kind of go from there. So it really is kind of a, um, kind of a, a really big question mark, I think. And uh, it doesn't make any of us feel that much better considering also the devils have lost their last three games in a row each by the score of six to three um you know we're kind of it i feel like a lot of us are going back into that uh period where we're just like let's just get the season over with and that kind of sucks because obviously i still want to see some of these individual players continue to do really well um i know just for right now has 20 goals jack hughes needs one more for 20 um dawson mercer needs five more nico needs three more so I'm, I'm hoping we get a couple more 20 goal scores and really try to finish the season on a high note but yeah as far as um as far as uh you know andrew hammond is concerned i'm obviously just hoping that he can play number one and number two he could play enough to allow nico Dawes and the devils to feel comfortable with him going back down to utica and going from there now, Fitzgerald also said that the Devils had assigned and recalled goaltender Nico Dawes to and from Utica. And this is what they call a paper transaction to allow him to be eligible for the 2022 AHL Calder Cup playoffs, even though he still remains with the active roster here in New Jersey. This was mainly because I think if Dawes continued to play more games right now uh, consistently um, here in New Jersey without being recalled or called up i think he would have not been allowed to go down to utica and play i don't know if it, that would be the same situation for dawson mercer i did hear that there's the possibility that once the nhl season comes to an end that dawson mercer could go down to utica and finish the year with the comments um the other thing that uh that I should mention here is uh, some things about what Andrew Hammond said when he spoke to the media. Uh, first of all, uh, Hammond met with the media a short time ago, and he will not be available for tomorrow's game against the Rangers, Tuesday's game, and will meet the team on Wednesday in Toronto. Like I said, he'll be wearing 35. So for the first time since Corey Schneider was on the team, we'll have somebody wearing 35. Hammond said he was injured on March 3rd versus the Calgary Flames when he had his ankle rolled on a little bit. Says, been, says he's been skating on his own five days now and progressing every day. There is, quote, no real timeline, end quote, for his return, though. He hopes it could be quick. He remains on injured reserve, retroactive back to March 3rd. John Gillies and Nico Dawes remain on the active roster, meaning the Devils will carry three goalies for the time being. Hammond will be a UFA at season's end. So... Again, it's um, it's not great that we get a guy that can't come in and play right away. The hope is, is that he obviously can come back sooner rather than later. We don't know his significance. The other thing is simply that, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood could potentially return before season's end and maybe play a couple of games. So that could obviously 
um, not throw a wrench in the plans, but certainly maybe make it easier on the whole situation. But as of right now, going into this upcoming week, the Devils will be rocking with Dawes, Gillies, and Hammond um, for the foreseeable future. So really, when you look at the whole thing, that's pretty much what the Devils did at this entire um this entire trade deadline. Uh, when you look at the draft picks as of as of today, uh, with regards to not only this year but 2023, the Devils in 2022 have nine total selections: their first, second, third, fourth, a fourth from Edmonton, a fourth from the Islanders, a fifth from Columbus, and a sixth and seventh. And then in 2023, the Devils have one draft pick in each round of the draft. They have a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. All of those picks are theirs. The fourth, the two, the two other fourths and the fifth from um, Edmonton, New York, and Columbus are from previous trades. Uh, the fifth actually comes from the Keith Kincaid trade a few years ago. The fourth comes from the Islanders trade in the Zajac Palmieri deal. And the fourth that comes from Edmonton is from the Kulikov deal of last year. So the Devils do have a decent amount of assets from draft capital um, going into this draft. Will he use all of it? Who knows? And then as far as 2023, they have their, you know, average amount of picks. They just have their all, all of their picks uh, from that, which should be a um, interesting, uh, interesting to see what and what end up uh, they decide to do. Um, Fitzgerald said that it was the quiet, one of the quietest days he's ever experienced. He really just didn't receive much of anything. Um Fitzgerald, when he spoke about the shape of the team, he said, we're starting to shape ourselves and the team we want to be with continued additions, selling off for just draft picks and continue to get younger was not my goal. So again, reading that, you could clearly tell that Fitzgerald was not just in the mood to make a deal, that the Devils are leaning less towards the rebuild part and now trying to actually add pieces to this puzzle. And again, when Fitzgerald spoke about the fact that he will probably not probably that he will definitely be aggressive in free agency and in the off season, that's when I think you guys should understand that that's when the devils are going to make those major moves. Um, the reality is simply this Hammond and Gillies are not going to be here next year. Uh, barring again, some craziness with goaltending, which we've un unfortunately grown accustomed to seeing um, when you look. Uh, so the reality is, is that, we know that Nico Dawes has the potential to be an NHL full-time goaltender. Will it be next year? It's hard to say, especially because the Devils need consistent goaltending. And maybe maybe by next year, Dawes is ready for that moment. As far as Mackenzie Blackwood, look, we talked about the fact that he was on uh, Sarah Valley's trade bait. We knew that the Devils and Blackwood have had uh, a lot of disagreements and uh, are definitely upset with one another. So there's always the potential that maybe Blackwood won't be here uh, next year. We don't know. And again, Fitzgerald talked about getting back to the drawing board when it comes to this team. And when it comes to the goaltending situation, just the goaltending situation, not the team in general, just the goaltending situation. So it's a matter of let's just see what happens. Um, but again, guys, uh, I think at this point, all we could do is just continue to watch this team get through the rest of the season and kind of go from there because that's the best we could possibly do. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team meets free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, 
Don't worry, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone could play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So now I want to quickly recap some of the major trades that happened at the deadline. Now, not all of these happened specifically on the deadline. Some of these happened even a month ago. So again, you knew that there was a chance that there were going to be a lot of teams that did nothing because some teams had already done their trading earlier in the year and they were pretty much fine, or they were not really interested in looking for anybody and wanted to keep the team that they have. So we'll start with uh, quickly here, February 14th, back on February 14th, which is crazy now. It's been over a month. The Calgary Flames had acquired Tyler Toffoli from the Canadians in exchange for Tyler Pick. Pitlick, the rights to unsigned draft choice forward uh, Emil Heinemann, first round pick in 2022 or 2023, fifth round pick in 2023 NHL draft, and a conditional fourth round pick in 2024. And obviously, Todd Foley has really amped up his game to another level since he got over to Calgary. So that was a um, that was one move. That was probably like the first. I don't want to say like big move, but it was certainly a, a relatively big move. Uh, the next one happened on the fourth, I think also happened on, um, that actually happened on March 14th. Uh, Kara Avalanche um, acquired defenseman Josh Manson from Anaheim in exchange for defensive prospect Drew Hellison, a second round pick in 2023. And you knew that there was a chance that Anaheim was going to be relatively busy and moving some of their uh, guys that could be um, out the door anyway and trying to get assets for still a very, very young up-and-coming team. So there was that. Uh, the Rangers on March 16th acquired forward Frank Petrano from Florida in exchange for a later selection of either the Rangers' own fourth-round pick in 2022 or Winnipeg Jets' own fourth-round pick in 2022, which was previously acquired by the Rangers. And the next big one that happened was the same day the Florida Panthers acquired defense in Ben Sherrod from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for forward prospect Ty Smilonic, a first-round pick in 2023, and a fourth-round pick in 2022. So clearly the Florida Panthers are looking to go all in. And I'm totally on board because considering the team that they already have and the core that they have, they were looking to try to add pieces left and right. And knowing a guy like Aaron Ekblad could potentially be out almost the rest of the season, certainly the rest of the regular season, you needed to add help on the back end. And you certainly did that by acquiring one of the better um, defensemen in this trade deadline in a guy like Ben Schrott. So that was a good one. The Flames stayed busy because the same day they acquired forward Kelly Yarncrook from Seattle in exchange for a second round pick in 2022, a third in 2023, and a seventh in 2024. And when you look at all the trades Seattle made, the Seattle Kraken now, I believe, had something like 33, 34 draft picks in total over the next three years. So GM Ron Francis is clearly going to build this team through the draft. Um, and that is something that should not be a surprise. They are treating this like an actual expansion team, not like what we saw with Vegas. This is going to be more of a legit um building of an expansion team and it will be fascinating to see what type of players seattle can get 
and what type of team they can eventually become over the next three or four years. So that was kind of an interesting one. But then we had another major one, which really blew my mind, which was two days later, March 18th, Tampa Bay Lightning acquired forward Brandon Hagel and a fourth round pick in 2022 and a fourth round pick in 2024 from the Blackhawks in exchange for forwards Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, and two conditional first round picks. Now we knew that Brandon Hagel was a guy that was rumored for the Devils as well. We did hear about the asking price that um, Chicago was looking for. I knew the Devils were going to not go down that road, considering that even though Hagel has been having a great year, on average, he's a bottom six player. And I think what was most surprising was that Chicago considered him to be one of the core pieces to their rebuild, and he ended up still getting dealt. And I know that Jonathan Tate spoke out about it and said, well, if Hagel can get moved, then none of us are safe. And that's where all these speculation about guys like Dabrinkit, um, Patrick Kane, even Jonathan Tate himself could eventually get moved as well. They didn't get moved at this deadline, but it starts to create the rumblings and the rumors and things like that. So I don't know how much substance they're gonna, there's going to be to that, but I think it's something to just keep in mind um, moving forward. But it was definitely a surprise. I'm sure it was a surprise to Hagel, but now he gets the opportunity to help Tampa Bay go and try to win its third consecutive Stanley Cup. Then you move to the next day, the Boston Bruins – uh, acquired defenseman Hampus Lindholm from the Anaheim Ducks, Ducks in exchange for defenseman John Moore and Earl Vakainen and three NHL draft picks. And then the very next day, the Boston Bruins signed Hampus Lindholm to a seven-year extension for $56 million, which even with the cap space they still have, I do wonder how much that will be an effect on Patrice Bergeron's next contract if he decides to stay in Boston, if he decides to continue to play, or if he ends up retiring. I don't know. But uh, I did hear that because of the fact that Tuka Rask retired, that created actually a decent amount of cap space. So it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise for the Bruins. But uh, the Bruins, not only do they get him, they sign him to a long-term deal, and now they have Lindholm long-term. So again, another big player on the move from Anaheim going somewhere else. And then obviously, the most uh, valuable guy at the deadline, Claude Giroux, who was held out of the last Flyers game, was indeed finally moved as the Florida Panthers, the definitive winners of the trade deadline. They acquired Giroux, Connor Buneman and German Rupsov and a fifth round pick in 2024 from the Flyers in exchange for top prospect Owen Tippett, a first round pick in 2024 or 2025, and a third round pick in the 2023 NHL draft. So with the Flyers obviously going to probably begin a rebuild, uh, they decided to move on from their longtime captain. Well, not a long time, but their captain and one of their longtime players in Claude Giroux. Get a guy like Owen Tippett. I kind of go from there. And I'm sure the Flyers fans are not thrilled about the return because I'm sure they would have liked to have gotten more, uh, but this was probably the best that they could get. And for Claude Giroux, gets a chance to go make a run at his first Stanley Cup. He could still play at a very high level, put the puck in the back of the net. Great job of setting up guys. Really good, particularly on the power play. So it's a guy that really just upgrades the offense of, of um, Florida that much more. So really, really good move for Florida. I'm sure the Flyers, though, again, like I said, would have probably liked to have gotten a little bit more for him. 
Then we just kind of got some other moves. This one was kind of interesting because Vancouver acquired defenseman Travis Dermott, who I did hear was definitely rumored to be on the move uh, from the Maple Leafs in exchange for a third round pick in 2022. The reason that that trade happened was because what happened five minutes later, the Maple Leafs ended up acquiring defenseman Mark Giordano and forward Colin Blackwell from the Seattle Kraken in exchange for a second round pick in 2022, a second in 2023, and a third in 2024. What I like about that deal is not necessarily the acquisition of Mark Giordano, who will certainly help on the back end and uh, with uh, Muzzin and also Rasmus Sandin being out long-term, Giordano will certainly play a lot of minutes, but I like bringing in Colin Blackwell because he could be a guy that could score you some pretty, uh, some pretty decent amount of goals on the bottom six and a guy who could also be relatively uh, physical as well. So I think you actually upgraded your offense in the bottom six a little bit more, knowing how top heavy Toronto really is from an offensive standpoint. I know people were very critical of the fact that the Leafs didn't go out and get a goaltender, and the same thing can be said for Edmonton. But the reality is, is that the goaltending uh, market wasn't that big, and also some of the asking prices for some guys probably was way too much for some teams to make. Um, I know that the Leafs have a young goaltender who's been showing promise, and you know that you're going to get Jack Campbell back before the end of the season, and you're still in a relatively good spot for a playoff for the playoffs. So I think they just want to rock with what they rock with and kind of go from there and uh, try to win a Stanley Cup that way. Um, some other moves, again, kind of uh, kind of quiet. A former Devils goaltender who was uh, picked up off waivers from the Devils to Arizona, Scott Wedgwood, was traded uh, from the Coyotes to the Dallas Stars for a conditional fourth-round pick in 2023. This was mainly because of the fact that uh, Braden Holpe looks like he'll be put on uh, IR, so that will probably be the end of his season. So if the Dallas Stars want to make a run at a playoff spot, they're going to have to rely on Jake Ottinger and Scott Wedgwood. So Scott Wedgwood being passed around somewhat like a joint right now because this is now the third team he has played for this season. But again, hoping that Scott Wedgwood uh, continues to play well and gets an opportunity to uh, maybe play in the playoffs, which would be kind of a uh, kind of a cool thing. Um, Marcus Johansson, former New Jersey Devil, was actually ended up sent, getting sent back to Washington from Seattle uh, in exchange for forward Daniel Sprung, a fourth in 2022, and a sixth round pick in 2023. So that was kind of interesting. But then we come to the big one. We come to the big, well, this is the first of two big ones that we had at the deadline. The first was this. We had heard at around 10 o'clock on Monday that the Wild were the front runners at this point to acquire Marc-Andre Fleury and that they were in pretty deep talks. Um, by the time we reached around 11.15, 11.30, it was officially announced the Minnesota Wild had acquired goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury from the Blackhawks in exchange for a conditional first-round pick in 2022. So... The Minnesota Wild, who, in my opinion, I felt like they needed to upgrade their goaltending. They were able to do just that in getting the reigning best in the trophy winner, a guy who has a Stanley Cup championship experience and a guy who's still playing at a relatively high level. He will certainly help that goaltending in Minnesota 100%. Unfortunately, though, it came with a price, and I'm not talking about the conditional first-round pick. Because of this, the... Minnesota Wild could not carry three goaltenders. So unfortunately, they had to get rid of their young goaltender, Capo Kakinen. He was not on a two-way deal, so he couldn't just be sent back. To, he couldn't just be sent down to the Iowa Wild. He actually had to end up being traded. And so moments after the Wild acquired 
Cop, um, Marc-Andre Fleury. They traded Capo Kakin into the San Jose Sharks for a fifth-round pick in 2022. Um, oh, well, hold on. The the San Jose Sharks acquired goaltender Capo Kakin and a fifth-round pick in 2022 from Minnesota for Jacob Middleton, who was another guy that was uh, rumored to be on the move. So the Sharks did actually end up with a young goaltender. That's what made James Reimer seem like a little bit more of an interesting guy, but it sounded like the Sharks were keen on keeping him. So Kapu Kakinen will now get a chance to maybe become the uh, long-term uh, young goaltender for that uh, that San Jose Sharks team. So that was kind of a, a good move for San Jose. It was an unfortunate move that had to be made for, um, for the Minnesota Wild. Now, as far as after this season, I don't know if Flurry will stay here long, stay here for the you know next season or retire or anything like that. It'll be interesting. Uh, I do know that the Wild have Jesper Wallstedt as a young guy that could come in next year um, with Cam Talbot. So I guess they'll burn that bridge um, when they get to it. So that was kind of a interesting move. Um, some other ones: Arturi Lekkinen going from Montreal to Colorado. They announced the Andrew Hammond going to the Devils. Uh, let's see your former devil, Nick Merkley going from San Jose to the Rangers. So he'll be back playing against us. Don't know if he'll be playing against us on Tuesday. Guess only time will tell with that. Um, and then we come to the big one. We come to the big one. Uh, well, again, there were two more that happened. The first one was this, the New York Rangers acquired forward Andrew Kopp and a sixth round pick in 2023 from the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for forward Morgan Barrett and a, and two conditional second round picks in 2022 or 23 NHL draft and a fifth round pick in 2023. So we knew that Andrew Kopp had suitors. We knew teams were talking. And then with about 10 minutes to go before the deadline, we had heard that the Rangers and Winnipeg Jets had come to an agreement on an Andrew Kopp deal. It was just a matter of what the compensation was going to be for Winnipeg. And so what the Rangers do is they add a really good amount of speed and skill to their scoring with a guy like Andrew Kopp. And uh, that was a big move for them. And they're certainly looking to try to make a long run into the postseason this year. And adding a guy like Andrew Kopp just kind of confirms that. So that was a big one. The other big one that happened was the Pittsburgh Penguins acquired forward Ricard Raquel from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for forwards Zach Aston Reitz and Dominic Simone, the rights to goaltender Kelly Kling, and a second-round pick in 2022. It was kind of up in the air as to whether or not Ricard Raquel was going to end up getting moved. But then about a half hour before the deadline, you were hearing rumors that the Bruins, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the New York Rangers um, – we're talking to uh, Anaheim for him. I don't know where Pittsburgh came in all of a sudden, but maybe it was like a last minute thing. They offered it to him. Anaheim liked it and kind of went with it. And that was that. So the Anaheim Ducks were the most aggressive when it came to selling off assets than really any other team. Um, we did also hear the craziness about Evgeny Dadnoff being moved to the, um, to the Anaheim Ducks as well, but the Anaheim Ducks are part of one of the 10 teams on Evgeny Dadnov's no trade clause. So as of right now, that deal has still not happened. And the um, Vegas Golden Knights are talking with the NHL about what they are going to do with this situation. And they, uh, they certainly need to move one of those contracts to be cap compliant with guys like uh, Mark Stone coming back into the lineup. But that that's kind of a really, really crazy thing when you look at it. Um, yeah. And other than that, 
nothing really else. We saw that Seattle acquired Victor Rask, a guy that I've always been kind of a fan of. Victor Rask from Minnesota in exchange for future considerations. Um, Carolina acquired Max Domi and defensive prospect Tyler Inamoto from Columbus in exchange for defensive prospect Aiden Reshuk and Florida Panthers received forward prospect Igor Korshov and a sixth round pick in 2022. So that was a three-team trade with the big piece being Max Domi going from um, Columbus to Carolina. So that was good. Also, Carolina signed uh, Jesperi Kotkiniemi to an eight-year extension. So they were fairly active as well. But that was pretty much it for the deadline. So like I said, there were a lot of moves. Most of them were pretty minor, including the one that the Devils actually ended up doing. But at the same time, it was a pretty interesting trade deadline as well. Now we'll see how all these pieces work out for each one of these teams that did make a move at the end of the day. So the last thing I wanted to quickly recap here, this will be very, very quick, is the Devils game back on Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. It was the final game of the three-game Western Canada road trip. Devils obviously looking to hopefully try to come out of this road trip with at least one win um, after dropping the first two games by the score of 6-3. to three. And ladies and gentlemen, this game was pretty close. Um, early on, up until early on in the second, into the third period, excuse me, because it was two to one going into the third period, two to one Oilers. And then the Devils were able to score not one, but two goals in the span of the first like minute and a half of that, of that third period to make it a um, three to two lead. So you felt really good going at that point that the Devils could very well win this game. But for this, for another time in the many times that this happened, the goaltending completely, completely failed us as Tyson Berry, Vander Kane, Zach Hyman, and then an empty netter by Connor McDavid uh, were the next four goals in this one, four unanswered goals. And the Devils dropped this one for the third consecutive game by the final score of six to three. And I guess the only positives you could say is Jesper Bratt got his 20th and 21st goals of the year. You continue to see Jack Hughes get himself some points. Nico Heischer now just three goals away from 20, which is absolutely phenomenal. And I think if I'm not mistaken here, if you look at his uh, previous stats, he is currently tied right now for the second most goals he has scored in a single season in his career. He has not scored 15 or more goals since 19, uh, since 1819. Just really crazy to think about. The most goals he ever scored was 20 on the dot in his rookie year of 17-18. He has 17 goals, 25 assists for 42 points. He needs 11 more points to actually eclipse uh, the most points in his career in a single season. He had 52. So it is great to see our captain actually having his best year in a while and really, really getting himself going. Jesper Bratt, a guy that if he keeps scoring at this clip, could very well be a 30-goal scorer, only needing nine more um, by season's end. Uh, but yeah. This, it was a really sucky loss. Um, I mean, all of them are, but especially to lose your last three in a row by the same exact score, it kind of proves the point again that we could put the puck in the back of the net. We just have a very, very difficult time keeping it out of our own net. And I know that sometimes the defense fails the goaltender, but most of the time it's been the lack of consistent goaltending. And I know Dawes, he had played the last two games and just been tired out, but John Gillies really just, 
he isn't it, man. And it's, it's really frustrating to watch. Um, going into this upcoming week, though, the Devils play the Rangers on Tuesday at home. Very next night, they're in Toronto taking on the Maple Leafs. Then they play on Saturday night against the Capitals in Washington. And then they wrap up the week at home against Montreal. So if you look at it, the Devils right now have five games left in the month of March. And then they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So they have 15 games in the month of April. And their se- the Devils season will come to an end because, again, we're not making the playoffs. It will officially come to an end after the 29th of April. So it is crazy to think about the fact that we are going to be starting the Stanley Cup playoffs in early May. That's kind of a crazy thing. Um, but that's the position that we're in right now with 20 games, uh, including the game against the Rangers, 20 games to go in the season. I would like to see the Devils try to be over 500 in these, in these final 20 games. And again, try to finish the season on a high note. 